on your mate. Like, oh, he's not my mate. No, he wasn't. He's a coach. The amount of people. I know. Welcome to Surviving Society. This season's board theme is how we continue to deal with the legacies of empire. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Society. We are, myself and Tiso, are very excited to be joined by Carl Mallet. Hello, Carl. Hello. Hi, guys. Hiya. Carl, you've come all the way down from... Coventry. West Mids, Mayans. My geography geography is shocking. Where is that? Coventry, it's just south of Birmingham. It's just an hour and ten minutes on the train. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you used to live round here. I did. I went to the University of Greenwich, 1994. So, and then I got married in 1996. Met my wife here, and we ended up having our daughter just New Cross, John Williams Close, just by the old Millwall ground, oh. just there. So yeah, I lived in London for 11 years. Yeah, and just so. for anyone that doesn't know or is new to the podcast, we record in New Cross, so that's South East London. It's the old man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Carl, tell us or tell our listeners, what is your PhD research? What is it about? It's about looking at how Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners negotiate difference, especially racial, gender difference. And what is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a martial art that originally came from Japan, went to Brazil and basically was taken up by the Brazilian elites in Brazil and have turned it into their own, their own martial art, which has now been spread around the world. And it's basically, it's a martial art with no uh, striking, no kicks, no punches. It's just, it's searching for openings to either dislocate a joint or, or choke, restrict the air. Yeah, so any guy who watches UFC, boom, everyone knows about yes. the BJJ. You get me? Really? So, yeah, stand with it. Yeah, fighting on the floor, floor, a ground fight, grappling and stuff grappling. like that. I'm actually grappling. really excited because I know absolutely nothing about this, so I'm buzzing to learn about. <laughs> I don't know that much. Yeah. <laughs> so why? What? So how did you get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Well, know? originally my PhD wasn't going to be on this. It was going to be on the, the welfare state. Originally, I worked for two years as a personal advisor at the job centre. What year was that? This was 2009 to 2011. Basically, when I first started working in the job centre, it was new labour. Yeah. And, you know, you can say whatever issues regarding new labour, but there were, there was funding, there were things there available for people yeah. to help them get back to work. I was part of the 18 to 24 team, and we'd go around and we'd do basic education people can read or write we'd kind of do cv workshops as soon as the camera got in it kind of changed it was all about sanctioning and i noticed those people who were mainly getting sanctioned were the easy ones to sanction was people who didn't speak english didn't quite know and so basically i'd had enough by that stage i was doing my master's as well part-time while i was working at the job center i just thought i'd like to to do my phd just leave this. So I originally thought about, I'm going to do a PhD looking at the welfare reforms and how it was racialised, mm. looking historically how the welfare state, especially in Britain, was linked to ideas of race. And then I saw the PhD, I read what kind of, maybe I can do something different. It was a mm. bit too mm. heavy. I, I admire yeah. those people that can do kind of research because, on when you're, like, when you're in close proximity to that, like it's so hard to separate. It is, yourself. I can't. Some well, people can. I can't. It's like my mum is a, has been a social worker all, all my life. And you hear those stories and you think, how the hell could you do that job? I couldn't yeah. do it because I go home and I'm thinking about what happened to this kid, where some people can, but I wasn't able to. So. Mm. See that kind of shift that you're making in your PhD is like something like the welfare state's so vast and there's a lot of literature on it. And it, you think, where do you start? Exactly. And this kind of whole volume. And where's my voice unique mm-hmm. amongst this literature that's kind of well-established? Mm-hmm. And when you go to somewhere 
like we're just talking about something that we do, sports, and we're always involved in sports, and you start reading it from an academic lens, and you realise it's the same issues in this microscopy, in this space, yeah. they're the same issues. Mm-hmm. How do I navigate? And I think that makes for a more interesting picture because it's relatable to you, yeah. and that makes it enjoyable. Because exactly. you were working, that's your work, mm-hmm. and you look, and then it does it from a work lens, which is problematic at the same time. Because I worked in the city, and I thought I had that same kind of thing, inequalities and stuff like that. That's not what gets me. What gets me, I, I like training. And in this space, I'm, there's all these social issues about class, gender, masculinity. Same issues, slight kind of variance to it. It's something you can relate to. Yeah. Something uh-huh. you're passionate about. You were literally on the front line yeah. of welfare, helping people, mm-hmm. getting back into work, helping people with their benefits. And then you literally saw overnight that go... Like, I, I, I feel like we still haven't, like, fully grappled mm. with how violent mm-hmm. that was. I mean, obviously, there's people that have written some amazing stuff yeah. about what that transition from, yeah, the end of New Labour mm-hmm. to the coalition. But I literally watched people in my family, even, mm-hmm. like, just thinking of, on a personal level, just overnight, was, like, security going. Like, security that the state had felt like they, well, the state had decided was important for them mm-hmm. to help us come to terms with or facilitate just help us live our lives and they decided overnight no no more it is like you're going to be sanctioned for you're going to be poor. sanctioned you're here we're going to look new labor you could say, argue with new labor was kind of patronizing in a, in a way yeah. it was kind of help with a kind of well here's some money for deodorant because yeah. maybe you don't you don't shower <laughs> yeah, you yeah, need yeah, a, yeah, a new yeah. suit those yeah. things were important they to were some really people. Important. They were. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You like, could, they were, and you could give a hundred pounds to someone to get, you know, vouchers, and they could get clothes for their interviews. Yeah, I remember it. that was a big one. Exactly. Wasn't it? Yeah. And then with the crash, and then Cameron government getting, it did change. And and they'll say there weren't targets to sanction people, but you were. I mean, I was told I'd be put on to. Uh, you know, uh, I was going to be going to be reviewed because I refused to sanction people. Mm-hmm. You know, I just unless there was a real reason why I do that, yeah. and it was kind of you just felt this pressure to to kind of meet some targets. As so, a target, you know, yeah, they, they'll say there weren't, but there were. You have they to be. Just, just like, do you know that remind you of Danny Doyle was telling us about yeah. the Star Chamber yeah. and like who can make more cuts? Yeah. Like they were literally doing that yes. in the job centre. But, well. but you have to have empirical data to prove that yeah. your policies are working, right? So mm-hmm. all the little Hitlers sort of come out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like and they've got that power over people, and then the people that they're they're sanctioning are. Can be people who don't speak English, people who don't look like them. Easy, easy, easy targets. targets, easy, easy targets. Easy targets, right? Exactly. That's easy targets. Exactly. Easy targets. See, you've gone from that space, mm-hmm. now you're in the gym. Jesus getting really excited. <laughs> he wants listen, to go to the gym. Listen, listen, I take the gym serious, man. Yeah. It's the most, the only thing I take seriously ever. And, and, and no, no, for, for an hour. Oh, okay. I, right. I don't, I, I, listen, I love phones. I don't even take my phone into no, the gym. I don't. I, I don't take really yeah. yeah. my phone. Yeah. Yeah. No phones. No nothing. So why are you on your phone mm. in yeah, the gym? I take it. Listen, that place is sacred. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like the church, right? That's it. It's where you can escape. Escape yeah. for an hour. Focus, man. Mm-hmm. The most focus you'll ever find me. I do things in there that you can never do outside. So someone will tell you lift four hundred kilos. Boom, you'll do that, man. Because I can't in that space. Well, I'd like to be able to throw about two twenties, my But you see, but it's that, it's that kind of mindset, yeah. right? When you start looking at it from an academic point of view, it, that space becomes almost problematic because I'm seeing stuff that I, I'm concerned about before I would ignore because I'm so focused on that particular task. But seeing stepping out, of stepping yeah, stepping yeah. aside and looking at it as a researcher, and so you're seeing things of how how am I my presence how's my presence affecting people? So looking at things of race. For like for your work, or looking at things through masculinity, or 
just hearing a general chitter chat, whether it be about conspiracy theories or just what we were talking about earlier, like all those things are all present. How do you find that in your kind of work? Um, I was a manager of a guy who was a bouncer as well. He worked there and he bounced in the evenings mm. and he was a, a good martial artist. And there was a group of bouncers in Coventry who had their own kind of private gym. It was just a, a small kind of uh, garage space with mats and weights. And so he asked me to go along and I started. I'd never done any kind of um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'd done boxing. Yeah. Uh, I'd done lots of football, athletics, but anything, nothing like that. And so it was just, uh, yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. And we were just kind of training once, twice a week, just there, just a bit of MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. We kind of moved to a, uh, a newer gym, which had a prop. It was linked to some Brazilian guys who were based in Birmingham. And so... That's basically so it's how quite, it goes. It's quite a big Brazilian community, isn't there? In, in Birmingham, Birmingham yeah. yeah. And uh, it's basically one of the main, one of the best jiu-jitsu fighters uh, uh, opened the gym, the Gracie uh, gym in Birmingham. So a lot of the people were training there, gaining their black belts and then teaching mm. around in the, in the Midlands. So. <laughs> For me, in that space, sometimes as a black person and my physicality, one of the things that's said to me is that, oh, you're just naturally gifted. Mm. You're RT, you're just na- you don't have to work hard. For a long time, I ignored it. But then I, I said, tell me, why do you say that? It's mad, race is being made. in the, Like, yeah. I mean, they're I'll say to them, like, how, I said, okay, where does that come from? I said, so surely, why don't you say that to me about my intelligence then? If, it's, if I'm naturally gifted, it's surely I'm naturally smart, right? And there's a disconnect. Well, well uh, I said, so why are you saying this? I said, well, the reason why... I, I'm stronger than you. I train harder than you. I work harder than you. Why can't you admit that rather than say it's a racialised thing, that I'm just naturally strong? But there is that connection, isn't it? That kind of racialised embodiment of black men mm-hmm. in the body. Mm-hmm. With, so within those kind of... Within those spaces of gyms and, and martial arts, I think, who is it, Allcough, it's kind of almost like a positive racial, positive racial embodiment in terms of, well, you know, you're strong, you're athletic... You're more suited to this space. Mm-hmm. You're you're kind of going to be more comfortable. It's not going to be a surprise to see a black man within those kind of martial art kind of physical spaces as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's a negative in a way in terms of the the physical racialized embodiments out there. Like saying you're linked to your body rather than your mind. But within those spaces, especially martial arts, boxing, in the gym, it almost takes on a kind of a positive mode within those environments as mm. well. So space is and space is space important, right? Place is important. Yeah. So. In certain spaces, so carrying that physicality, that gym in relation to like a nightclub space or in relation to those kind of urban spaces becomes a positive, right? Mm-hmm. So I can, through my physicality, get into places easier. Exactly. Through my physicality, attract more women. Mm-hmm. Through my physicality, <laughs> those kind of things, that, those things, that's how it that works, happens. right? On a street thing. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell people this, and but then it funnels you into it, that. It, it funnels you to and, yes. and, and there. Rigid category. Yeah. Well, existence. It's, yeah, because that was one of the, the issues I had originally when I thought I was going to change my PhD from the welfare state <laughs> into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There's almost that feeling, is this real research? Can I, you know, I'm going to do it on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm a black man. I've always been associated with sports and, and athletics. Shouldn't I be doing something other than a sports-related? So... There was kind of, at the beginning, there was that kind of unease. That hesitation. Yeah, hesitation. Do I want to, you know, I'm doing a piece of research. 
sports. Them. I know, you I know. Do, you do what exactly. You want. But there is oh. at first there is that kind of hesitation. <laughs> Shall I be doing something serious, you know, on the Oh, we can't do stuff like this because we're no. not objective enough. Yes. Like, you but know. it's your lived experience and exactly. reporting that and for the first time it's your voice saying it and explaining how it feels from from a different perspective, right? So I'm trying to tell people trying to explain to me why I train mm. and what training is for me. So what training is for me, it's, it's, it means past the physicality. So what you've cast me as, the reason why I perform better because it's, it's about a mind thing. It's linking the two, my mind and body. So it's a discipline. So you were talking about before we came on about the Greeks. Yeah, yeah. That was always linked, the gymnasium was linked yeah. to... Education. Education and physicality. And physicality. Yeah, so yes. they, to me, they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying to you earlier, the reason why I wanted to train initially, because I wanted to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. A superhero, <laughs> like, like, see that Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne is strong. Superhero podcast. What is it? And, and rich. Yeah, Bruce, he's, well, I'm, well, next time, soon, soon. <laughs> soon. But, this time next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Wayne, he reads lots of books. He, he's... he's, he's <laughs> But it's having that ability to like, so we, I can I can link my brain to what yes. I do, right? And I try to emphasise anyone I do. Anyone can throw a punch, right? But it doesn't make you a boxer. Anyone can kick a ball, but it doesn't make you a footballer. But it takes that practice, that discipline, that commitment to that thing. I was reading some of uh, Luciana Trimble's work in Come Out Swinging, and it's a similar kind of thing. That dedication to that thing proves I have these skills in my body. It's a form of work. She well, can translate it with her own. Yeah, actually. she, yes, she calls it bodywork. Tell us a little bit about that book, too. So, Luciana Trimble. So, um, it's called Come Out Swinging. So, she's looking at boxing clubs in New York and a particular type of boxing club. So, just like you were talking about your uh, jiu jitsu club, and I go to a kind of like traditional old school, kind of rough and ready old school working class gym, right? Um, so, those spaces there where they're trying to navigate this new world that they're in, a post-industrial world, right? So they're, they're, combating, they're dealing with feminism on the rise, they're dealing with race on the rise. So it's how these people, these, they tend to be marginalised people, navigate these spaces. And so she's kind of arguing that through the production of body work, they're displaying to the world that they have these skills because these guys are usually in and out of prison. But they all say when they go to prison... They'll be overly, they'll be more disciplined than everyone else to prove that they have these skills. So the, the system is repressive, but I'm going to repress myself even more because it shows I have self control. And this is one of the key things that you learn from any martial arts. It's about self control. And there is that kind of yes, and there's that kind of negative, especially that meant like self control, discipline. Mm. You know, so yeah. in terms of. It, challenging that. Yeah, in terms of sports, so when I do stuff, it shows that all those things you accuse me of being aggressive, mm-hmm. angry, I have control over all those things. So I, I choose, so when I get up, I get up early in the morning because I choose to. That kind of utilitarian argument that humans pursue pleasures over pain, I choose the pain <laughs> all the time. But it's a kind of pleasure in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, but I choose the difficult thing just to master that thing because, again, you can get philosophical, but through adversity, I feel I become better. And it's that thing that's so... Uh, She's using those kind of things. These guys use those spaces to show those skills, to show the world that even though we're having a hard time, I'm even more dedicated to this thing, so please employ me. Kind of honing a diamond. Mm, yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us about the findings. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what, well, what, how do, okay. Marshall, well, what, how do people believe the, the... Well, the reason it became, it, I found it so interesting, because it had links to Brazil, and because when I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it was different to, let's say, the boxing clubs and the Muay Thai club. There were different types of people that were trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You might say a lot of geeks are kind of attracted to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so 
And there was a wide range of people that you wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily associate with being a fighter. So it just seemed, and then I'd read um, Elijah Anderson's Cosmopolitan Canopy, mm-hmm. looking at those spaces that bring people together. So it was kind of, oh, here we go. Here's, uh, especially where one of the main gyms that I was doing the research was based in an area, a very white area of North Warwickshire, mm-hmm. which um, did have one of the first BNP councillors. So it was a space for you from Coventry, a black man from Coventry, wouldn't necessarily go to this space. Mm-hmm. So when I went there, and, you, and you know, the gyms covered with Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, most of the people that worked there were the black mixed race. So it was kind of here, this this kind of fits what Elijah Anderson is saying is a cosmopolitan canopy. Mm. So it was kind of looking, therefore then looking at how those people from different areas around Warwickshire and the West Midlands would interact with me and other people who are from Birmingham, uh, British Pakistani guys who are mm. training there come from Birmingham, people from Coventry and, and, and women as well. Um, and looking at how they kind of negotiate and, and, and deal with difference in terms of racial and, and, and ethnic difference. And what I would say, within that environment, there's a, there's a convivial kind of camaraderie, in mm. a way, atmosphere. Whether that translates to anything outside of that space is questionable. But within that space, it's kind of, you know, everyone gets along, everyone's helping... That also, I think, comes a lot from the coaches as well, of mm. their their influence on on that. So, we had a coach who was a vegan, so and he was really strongly into his vegan and animal uh, principle. Uh, animal welfare. Yeah, animal welfare. So, within a few years, I think it was, uh, I did of the core group about twenty percent had turned. It wasn't vegan. Some had turned vegan, but others were doing. You know, I, did, I even went vegetarian for <laughs> six months. Yeah, so, yeah, it was having yeah. an influence like yeah. that. So, and I think, uh, is it Roth and Barso have done some research onto women who do uh, martial arts and showing that how the coach's influence can actually help break down those kind of ideas of women being weak mm. and uh, uh, that kind of form of gendered embodiment. But it did depend on the, on the coach. Who's and the leading kind, that who's space, leading. who's yes. creating and the they've got to, in that space. Exactly, and they've got to be consciously active trying to 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 bring you know to make people aware. If it wasn't, then those those women would only kind of be like, well, I'm not a girly girly. They'd kind of change their idea about what women can do, but it it didn't correspond to other women. It was just them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not like most women. Whereas they found that those places had coaches were actively pursuing uh, you know, feminism. That, mm-hmm. that, that those women that train there would kind of change their broader views about it. So yeah. it's quite interesting. So, so like again in from. Trimble's book, but also in Mitchell Durnier's Sidewalk, there's a notion of like older heads, like either coaches or older guys, providing that advice mm-hmm. to people and giving them guidance, breaking down mm-hmm. existing stereotypes, but through their own experience, right? So these tend to be older types of people. Mm-hmm. They've lived and, and li- Yeah, lived that, got that experience. And the dialogue you have, like the dialogue I have with my coach is different. It's one of deference, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to do whatever he exactly. says without question. Is that a God sort of thing? Yeah. But it's a different kind of relationship. It's a difference that you think to yourself, that this person, I respect this person because he's done it. Mm-hmm. When you kind of show difference to like a priest, it's out of respect for his authority, but I respect him because he, he's done it. And look where he is now. Yeah, look where he is. And he's yeah. done it. And he's telling me, this, he's got scars, right? He can prove it. So anything he's telling me to do, he's done it. Mm-hmm. Are they the trainers 
in the gym, yeah, in the gym that you um, focus on, Carl. Are they any of them people of colour? Um, the jiu-jitsu coaches, no. No, the boxing coaches, Muay Thai coaches, because it, yeah. it was a mixed martial arts gym, but the Brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches, no. Uh, Interesting. No, they were uh, white guys who'd been uh, trained with the Brazilian guys okay. in uh, in Birmingham. Yeah. And then they, they got their black belt and then they're kind of getting their own class and spreading out. But, but no, no, it wasn't. But Antoine, do you find, so you spoke earlier about like, the idea of conviviality. And I think that's interesting in that space because I was looking at this. I think this is a really convivial space, and I think about is this convivial functional? It's just a purely functional thing. Like because these people are sharing this space, yes. is it? They've is it? They've got to get on. Yeah, to get on. It, or, or is it because they have a, a shared interest? But when you look slightly deeper, you start seeing f- uh, fractions. So I would consider myself hardcore, and I would never speak to someone really who I think is wasting my time. Because you well, in, see, the in the gym, sorry, in, in that environment, in that gym, so you see people, so you you see you start seeing those divides. So initially, at, at face value, it looks like a convivial space. Mm-hmm. That's what I was asking about the trainers. But once you get the, but it's like the guys, it's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of city guys. When I started doing boxing, there's a lot of city guys wanted to box. White collar boxing. Yeah, white collar boxing. Yeah. They're not boxers at heart. They're doing it because it's like almost almost like a fashion state. But I, mm-hmm. when I see people go to the gym now, K-box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I see people do go to the gym now, and I see them and they're with their iPads and stuff. Like gym box and elephant castle yeah. just going past them. But you see, any, and I said, there's no disrespect to them in their thing, no. but you're doing it for the gram. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing it for the gram. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it. This like, these people here, like, I lived that life, and and this is the difference. So it almost becomes a kind of plundering of subcultures, right? Mm-hmm. So these people are coming here because they've joined a subculture, which is fitness at the mm-hmm. moment. And the fitness entails a certain kind of rough and readiness, especially for men looking for that kind of lost masculinity. It's kind of got that capitalism. Yeah. So you come there looking for that lost masculinity that you, you can claim. And I see lots of guys that come to the gym like this now. Mm-hmm. Lots of these guys that work in the city, who come to like, my gym, it's a problem for them. Because they, they don't know how to mix or how to go because they used to work in the city and people tell them what to do. But now you don't know the rules. Well, it's, it's interesting in terms of masculinity. In, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a lot, and because, I don't know if you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, basically, you're, for 100% of the time, you're in contact with another mm-hmm. person's body. So it's basically like a second skin. Really? You're like a second skin. Wow. On I mean, the, the main uh, technique in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is something called the guard. And it's basically missionary position in sex. Mm-hmm. Someone on the floor has got their legs wrapped around the other person. So this is what also kind of made me think, this is kind of a bit different to any other martial arts I've done. Mm. And I felt uncomfortable at first. You know, mm. that initial, you start training, your hands are certain, spe- and you, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's quite, it's contact, is. Yeah. It is. And a lot of people were put off by that. So a lot of guys who I know who've done boxing, they'd come, they go one day, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And you'd hear things like, mm. nah, there must be loads of gays mm. doing, you know. Mm. So, we, it, it, so, you know, yeah, that's so, we it, were literally talking about this did. earlier. That, like, instinctive sort of, mm-hmm. um, what masculinity yes. does to some men in those situations, Definitely. like that that inclination to, towards homophobia mm-hmm. and then yes. that inc- that, that lack of comfort around of the freeze. Males, but that, that freeze. We were literally mm-hmm. talking about that. But yeah. I, sometimes it, I find with guys, if they don't have a true uh, understanding of what they're getting into, right? So true practitioners mm-hmm. of martial arts, well, they, that's not an issue to no. them. It takes, yeah. Okay. But it's like, so when I try to explain to people, uh, mm-hmm. anything that I've done, any sports that I've done, any discipline, but like you have to see beyond, you have to mm-hmm. see the form. 
so it's so you, it's higher ideals. So all martial arts is applying for a higher ideal of of of, of, of character, and trying to say to these kids, this is what you're doing. So when I, when guys come to the gym, you're not just lifting the weight, man. It's about controlling yourself. Everything's about controlling everything about yourself. It's about a higher ideal. And I think that's what martial arts is. And But when guys go in and they're kind of put off by those things, that's because they haven't attuned themselves to it. And yeah. they're the ones that leave straight away. It kind yeah, of yeah. weeds out those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're kind of left with a core group of people that have to, that have to deal with those challenges. Of, mm-hmm. of, and especially, it's not just another... It's, let's say as a, a man, you're rolling with a woman. My first time rolling with a woman... That was also awkward for me because, yeah. you know, my head is somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find my head somewhere it should be, or my, I put my hand and it's on a chair, and you know, and it takes a few times before those kind of things break down. It's got to be. There's like a trust. It's got to be a yes, trust. There's yes. got to be a respect. Yes, there's got to be, exactly. and, and these are all things that but martial exactly. arts. But these are things. You. But yeah. these are things for good life, for good yes. character in yeah, life, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. The, one of the first humbling things, a girl wow. punched me in the face, man. Punched <laughs> me so hard, and I was like, my dad said, "What?" I said, "What do you expect? She's she just better than me. She just beat me up." But it teaches you respect. People, right? And this, what I'm saying, like people that can fight and do, they're calm. I'm, all, you're always calm. Why am I? You're chill because you know you respect that person. And I don't, I don't try, I don't trouble anyone, right? Because you don't know who you're messing with, right? That girl, she punched me so I bust my nose, man. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, this is martial arts, and she kicked me, punched me, cleaning my nose. Boom. And you said you, you said your dad was. My dad was, he was, he was so upset at me, and I was like, what do you expect me to do? Right? She beat me up. Uh, there's a whole, uh, whole uh, Alex Channon, uh, mm. I think it's the University of Greenwich. But his, uh, his study, uh, Do You Hit Girls? And basically, uh, he, I think it was uh, Kung Fu, but mm-hmm. he's looking at martial arts and how men, it's ingrained, ingrained in us to, we should, you know, for someone that shouldn't hit women. Mm-hmm. And then when you're sparring with a woman, within that martial art environment, what he found was that a lot of those men just couldn't fight. Yeah. They just physically couldn't move. And for the women who want to train and get better, it was really frustrating because how are they going to learn... Mm-hmm. Unless that man's going to spar with them properly, whereas she did to yeah, you, which was just, good. Yeah, and that was probably yeah, you sure, don't listen. You know. I actually, I was a bit younger, but you just yeah. for me, it's just a, for me, it's a, I like I like the discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll fight because I want to be the best. And this is so she beat me in a way. But did you fight her though? You didn't. Yeah, just because she was a no, woman, you didn't. She she actually beat me up. Oh, fantastic! It teaches you a lesson, right? Of course it does. It teaches you a lesson and, and try to be just as women can be just as strong as more skilled. She's more skilled than me, right? So you learn a lesson. So it's someone you can look up to. And this is what I find when you do sports and stuff like that. It's that see that someone you can, someone that you want to be like. And those persons usually have those qualities that you want to emulate. So they're disciplined, they're confident, and they're they're calm. That's it. And those things I look at, so the people I look like up to... Like a role model. Is, yeah, like a role is, model. Yeah, you're a role model. Mm-hmm. So your coach is a role model. Mm-hmm. The people that you, there's always someone in your group that you train with who's someone you think, how, do, how is he so good? And it's the idea of practising. Mm-hmm. But also the idea of failing. I felt on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the idea of failing to most people is a horrible concept. Of course, all getting beaten up by yeah. a girl. Yeah. Getting beaten up by a man who's only 60 kilos and five God, foot. There's so much like know. masculinity. Like, at, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at mm-hmm. play... But, yeah, listen, well. but listen, these are things that make you like one kind. This one guy, I, when I done mixed martial arts, he was seventeen, and I've, I've never been hit so many times. He hit me about sixteen <laughs> times. He was rapid, and then he twisted me up, and I was like, I was like, bro. But it teaches humility. It, it teaches humility, yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah, and the speed this guy was moving, and he was so flexible, and there was literally nothing I could do <laughs> except just sit, like, just lie there and get hit, just get out of the ring. Yeah, 
They wouldn't be able to handle that. You'd never see them again. Yeah. The key is to come back and, and deal yeah. with that, isn't it? But, that but, ego. but when you learn, especially in, in all my environments, when you speak to a guy, and I can always tell the guy if, if he'd been in a fight or not, mm. he'd be telling me, oh, I'll do this. I think, no, you wouldn't, bro. No. I, was, I could see in you, you wouldn't. I'll punch you, and you'd be like, oh, I don't want really to get hit again. And if I say stand there, you'll stand there. Because I've seen guys do it. So you get hit once, and I say, guys, stay there. You're not moving, because you don't want another one. <laughs> But that's that's real. Dad. But it's about being real about <laughs> that humility, isn't it? Dad's got to be a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> so what? How did everyone, the trainers, the people that you do you say spar? Yeah. People yeah, that you spar with. Roll. You roll. roll. The, the people you roll with. How do the in this gym? How did people deal with difference? Well, you know, I mean, you can say that in this day and age, a lot of people are. No matter even if they live in them anyway, they're clued up in the things to say, aren't they? They yeah. know things they should say, the things they shouldn't say. So everything is very much kind of very convivial and mm-hmm. very. But then there's always that kind of banter, and I think in terms of sports, change room banter, whatever's ha- whatever's being said is always kind of it's a sign of what really people are. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Can I just ask Go you? Yeah. And because I think you're going to be able to help me on okay. this as well, because it's something that comes up so much in my research. Did any of your participants? Did you do an interview? Sorry, did, yeah, yes, you yeah, did some interviews. Yeah. Did any of your participants use words like casual racism or casual racial banter or like that sort of like excusing what you're sort of referring to yeah. as just like part of the norm? It's every day. It's it's not harmful. So, like, I mean, there's one occasion, and this this kind of shows the importance of the coach. There's one guy. I think they were joking around, and he said to another guy, "I'm going to give you a jap slap," which <gasps> is nothing, yeah, you know. Yeah. It, the coach heard it, challenged him, went up to him straight away, and he, the, the guy was kind of like, what have I done? There were no Japanese people here. Mm. Who can get offended? Yeah. The coach was like, no, you, we, we can't, you can't, you can't say that. You, you know, it's I kind of... Okay. It's North, North Worcestershire. No, no Warwickshire. North, North Warwickshire. I'm, still, I'm impressed. This is North Warwickshire. Like, like, We've not, we not got good racial literacy no. <laughs> in, the, in the West <laughs> And this is why yeah. I'm saying the importance of yeah. having a coach who would... Ca- but then again, oh, that same God. coach with me and some other back would have a little joke. He'd, um, you know, there were times, there's one occasion on there, there was a box of bananas mm-hmm. and after training, here guys, do you, want a, do you want a banana? Now there was me and another guy was a black guy. So, but there was that little smile, that little laugh. He knew that kind of, so there's always that kind of little bit of banter. There's, there was another... One of the coaches, actually, he was... Uh, it's race, racism. It's racism. It's it, is. Ra- well, it, is, it, is ra- it is racism. It is racism. It is, no, 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 I know, you, I know, I know. you think that as well, no. but it's, it's really hard to get people to say that it's racism, mm-hmm. it which is just so mm-hmm. mad, because but, people will act like we talk about racism all the mm-hmm. time, but actually, when it comes to these everyday mm-hmm. spaces, these everyday conversations... No, what's up? It's thing, so I think when we are talking about... So that banter goes on all the time, right? But they are always racism. And if you notice, it's only certain people yeah, it's only certain do people. that banter. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, only, I'm not, I'm not only, saying that. It's, it's, it's only certain people it's only do that, right? It's certain people. And they have to have that relationship with that yeah, person. Exactly. But they, we both know it's racism, mm-hmm. right? Of course it is. So, but amongst the two of you, you've both agreed subconsciously mm-hmm. that this is the kind of banter that you can kind of accept. But it's the wider audience, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something really interesting and... I've definitely had it come up in, in my PhD, and I think I think it's Gal Lewis who talks quite well about this stuff as well, like that intimacy and racism, and how like that's your coach, like he knows you very well, he knows you in your group, like he's making the banana joke, but it's like he's sort of testing, it's like he's sort of testing the 
the boundaries testing have, the boundaries yeah. but he feels like he can test the boundaries because mm-hmm. you've got that social relationship mm-hmm. but if anything it should be the opposite mm-hmm. it should be the fact that you're your friends or that you're close mm-hmm. you share this convivial space together that you avoid at all mm-hmm. costs making you feel like a racialized mm-hmm. outsider mm-hmm. in that space do you know what i mean i, so do, I think I it's do. so interesting well, the actual opposite happens mm-hmm. in intimacy like we want to test mm-hmm. we want to test the water That's we right. want to find out what we can i mean say. i've got to say in his defense I mean, he's been he he's his wife is Southeast Asian. They've been together since they were sixteen. Their families disowned them. But that, almost, so, but that, but that almost, makes it even worse because then you that think proves my point exactly well, you should know. But but but, it, but, but why though? Mm-hmm. If we don't mm-hmm. have a racial literacy, if we don't have an understanding, mm-hmm. uh, just a very basic understanding of race and racism in this country. Mm-hmm. Just because his wife, he has an intimate mm-hmm. relationship with someone that's a person of colour, it doesn't so mean... Not, well, you know me. It doesn't, just, mean yeah. that, it doesn't mean that he's yeah. not going to be susceptible mm-hmm. to those comments or making that quote-unquote banter. But um, what, what I think... So I'm not having to go at him. I'm, no, sure, no, I'm, no, sure, no, I'm no, just no, using it as a test exactly case true. of intimacy and mm-hmm. racism. Well, I found it easier. It, like, it's... You can have a two-way dialogue. Whereas most people, when you talk about race, they get very defensive, especially if you're talking to a white person about race, it becomes a very defensive argument. But in that environment, where does that, back, that to and fro in? It starts off with banter, but it quickly can develop into something quite deep and philosophical about those issues. And we have to decide if it goes yeah. there, doesn't it? And so we have, to, we have to decide. He's saying to Banana at Carl. Carl's got a decision. <laughs> Carl's like, can either laugh or say, <laughs> what? And you challenge. But you're in an environment, you're in their environment. You're in their... Do you, do you know, and it's kind of... It's a power thing, mm-hmm. then, but isn't it? Is, yeah. It's but, like, but, who gets to decide? Mm-hmm. But do you remember I told you the, that story when they said to me... So one of, another of my friends said to me, T, I, I don't know if you're funny or something, but can black people swim? He didn't. Yeah, can, can, can black people swim? And I, I, so I asked him, well, why did you ask me that? Why, why do you think that? And it's, so it's about, in that space, in that time, because it's the gym... And we have that time because we're doing sets. Together. He wants to do that in an honest. He just yeah. He, he wants to know because wanted he wants to know. So yeah, yeah. in that space, questions. I think lots of white people are scared to ask, right? And no, it's in their true. mind. Yeah, yeah. And they, he, he has the, he has yeah. that option because he knows he knows me. And in this space, it's, we're not looking. We're not looking to fight each yeah. other. I'm not looking to because this space just educate. It's educate. Yeah. And like I said, so that back to that that idea that Greek notion of the gym. It's a place to educate and train. So we're training, but we're also teaching each other mm-hmm. about difference. And uh, so predominantly, the gym, it's got a lot of Muslim people in it, a lot of uh, Bangladeshi, uh, Bangladeshi Muslims in my gym. And a lot of it's been an educational piece for these people to understand what Ramadan is, like the idea that these people, they can't have, think any kind of impure thoughts. But not many people knew that. And then, then when, they, when, they, when people realise that, they're like, wow, you guys are deep. You'll take it to the next level. And it's that level of understanding, a level of solidarity is being built there that I don't find in other places that I've kind of worked in or... Well, I think that's the whole thing of cosmopolitan cannabis. It's just bringing people together, isn't it, in spaces mm-hmm. where they can learn something about the other. Mm-hmm. If everyone just lived their little separate life, for example, one of the coaches, he, jiu-jitsu coach, as I said, was wrong. He was mixed race. His grandfather was black. So, but he'd lived in that area, for, and he was a, a product of that area. So there was one. We got talking, kind of philosophizing, mm. and 
I hadn't heard this theory since I was a kid back in the like early 80s, but it was like, well, the reason that we, we're so strong is because of slavery, and slavery had mm. weeded out. But Carl, so many people say oh, that bullshit. God, and you're there. So many people say and that, Sam. Oh, to be fair on your mate. Like, oh, he's oh, not my he, mate. No, he wasn't a coach. <laughs> he's a coach. The amount of people that are even like my and then best he mates used, that will say that stuff, I'm I know. like, no. And then, he, and, and then he even used the term that I hadn't heard since then as well, half cast. Oh, yeah. And I said, and I said to him, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just kind of said out loud, no, it's mixed race. Yeah. I don't know if he kind of knew, but you know, and you're kind of like, you're, you've got to deal with that in those kind of areas and you know, very yeah. white space that you are going to get that kind yeah. of influence. It's just how you deal with that. Exactly, Carl. And I'm getting a bit animated now, let me calm no, down. No, no, go for it. But like, <laughs> so what T's talking about, I think I would be much more comfortable in that sort of racial literacy, racial education environment if I was in a, in a cosmopolitan space, mm-hmm. it's when you're the teacher in a predominantly white space mm-hmm. when it gets very exhausting, it, I think. When you're the only one. And you're, and you're the only one. Um, and they're coming back at you at questions mm-hmm. and they're saying, and each question gets more, <laughs> gets more, gets more deeper. Like you, you're like 10 minutes into the yeah. conversation, you're saying half cast. Like it, it's so, oh, no. there's so many layers to it. But I do think, T, what you said about, yeah, about people learning about Ramadan, mm-hmm. for example, in the gym. Like, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But who who are the people that are being... Like, it sort of it centres whiteness always. Do you no, know what I mean? But, like, but, it's even, like but, a, even, but even in my gym, like, so, like I said, it's a working-class gym, so it's going to have working-class white people, working-class... Just the whole underclass, yeah. really, because yeah, everyone, yeah. mostly people are unemployed and usually in some kind of extracurricular activity that's outside the normal economy, right? <laughs> Boom. Economy. Yeah. So you see these men there, they're not looking to talk to me about... So they have, they have mad issues about, about surveillance society. They have crazy issues about homosexuality and stuff. So it, it can get deep mm-hmm. and it can get physical because they're, they're not looking to be confronted. They're not used to being mm-hmm. confronted like yes. this, right? And they're going to take it as you're, you're physically you're I'm, being aggressive. So I, I'm being aggressive That's and I'm it. trying to mug them in a space where yeah, they yeah. feel that they have power, right? Mm-hmm. So these spaces are important to kind of air these issues but these people they're conscious about this because you can't you can't separate yourself from the social media right so they're affected by these issues they think about these issues but not in the same way or maybe slightly differently so they usually explain the way in terms of conspiracy, mm-hmm. right? So the Illuminati is always big in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I'm f- oh, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Drives me insane. Beyonce. Was almost said when when that guy stopped. Remember when you're 17, you're smoking weed, you can believe in this kind of conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. And as you grow up, you just you know. But these people, they live their life. Yeah, believe it. And like in the gym, it's a big thing. And it, uh, obviously, with the advent and the internet mm-hmm. and social media, so they get a lot of clips sent to them. So they're always sending me stuff. I think that someone last me someone sent me something about the coronavirus, and I'm like, one second, googled it. I said that's not true, and he's like, really? I said, bro, just, just you got Google on your phone, mate. It took two seconds, right. but this is the kind of so in in that space, I think it's important, especially in the gym space where we're all aiming for those higher ideals. So people look, respect people who, have, who look the part, and so they want to emulate them in all forms. So it gives you that kind of what well, gives me a space to speak to people that I might not necessarily speak to, and have that time to speak to them on a deeper level about something and maybe, maybe shift their opinion. It might do. That's, that's the thing. It's yeah. how far does that change outside of that environment? Yeah. That's just it. Or are those people that will listen to that and will engage in that topic, are they the types of people that are naturally more open anyway and mm. they're willing, can you actually challenge those, those people that maybe have deep-rooted racist? I think, yeah. I, I think yeah. one of the things, and I, I guess I'm slightly, I think I'm slightly biased in this 
conversation because I'm I grew up in the West Midlands and it's around where your gym is it's really not far from where my PhD research is based and I feel like I was going to say something but actually it does speak to the area that you're talking about here I was going to say about um, that this part of the West Midlands being like a really important site in terms of like the far right mm-hmm. and um, National Front mm-hmm. and as you say the BMP mm-hmm. but like so is the East End like it's really important so so sometimes like those histories really sort of play out in mm. those spaces still, and it's almost like we live. I, I don't know how to. No, ex- I don't know how to explain my metaphor type of metaphor thing here, but it does always feel very present. Mm-hmm. It's like um, historical legacy. You know, it's still there. Things. Mm, it makes me uncomfortable yes. as well. You just know this. Yeah. Like you're a space invader, aren't you? Yes. Within those areas, yes. you just know their eyes are on you. Do you know? And you, and you shouldn't be there. Or you're, you're not going to be welcome. Or that's what you be, think. Maybe you will, but that's what you've grown up thinking and feeling. And you feel uncomfortable. And then yes. when you're getting asked the questions, like, mm-hmm. can you swim? Can you do it? Like, I don't know. I, I, that's such a my Black like, Tudor book I've just read. Um, <laughs> sailors. It was in the Tudor times. were mainly black African sailors because they were good swimmers. Yeah. So I think the Mary Rose, the uh, the ship that sunk, they were using black African sailors. To, to die, whereas now, here we are, can black people swim? No, it's true, but the, the, the idea of swimming, because yeah. Europeans, they, they, they had to learn the idea of front calls, and it was, cause mm-hmm. it was alien to Europe, right? So it's mm-hmm. a relatively new social construction, well, like a, a myth that yeah, we, four, we can't Yeah, four or five hundred years, yeah, yeah. That's it. I didn't know that. That's interesting. And considering that most time, like if they were getting Africans from the coast, right? So you'd be the coast of time. You'd be fishing, swimming, swimming for fish, swimming, swimming, swimming <laughs> no, fish no, no. right? So it, it doesn't no. make sense. No. But anyway, I remember you have to remember Europeans had were had contact with Africans way before, so they they knew black people could swim. They've always been. Like, yeah, it's always been. Going back to Septimus Service, yeah, the Roman Empire. This is what I'm saying. Libyan, you know. This is, this, is, this is what I've been saying. This is my life. This is my life. This is my I've been trying to tell people this for ages, right? Listen, they came from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Philip the Arab. All these people, they're from mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, Hannibal. He was like, from Numidia, all North okay, Africa. Barcelona. He, he What's Barcelona? It's named after him, man, after these families. Wars, I know. Right? But this, I'm trying to say to people, like, the idea, like, so... Even the, con- the construction of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? It's the idea of it's a hybridity, it's a coming together of a thing, right? So this is, so if you look at read at Stuart Hall or Philip uh, or Paul Gilroy, this idea of a space like this, where all this coming together, these people, it creates something new. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think in that creating something new, people leave that gym or leave that space different. Mm-hmm. That hybridity, yeah, that hybridity yeah. is touching you, right? Mm-hmm. And especially then with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's outside of that gym. There's that wider Brazilian jiu-jitsu culture, which is they promote that we're a cosmopolitan, we're a martial art for everyone. Mm. We highlight they highlight their Brazilian roots. Yeah. So it adds to that. Although if you look at the there is in the history of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, because in Brazil it was Capoeira was the main mm-hmm. martial art. And then when Jiu-Jitsu came, if you look at I think it's Carrius 2011, his uh, his PhD thesis was looking at how basically Brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of evolved in in opposition to capoeira. How the Brazilian elite saw capoeira as African. Yeah. They it's saw a slave thing, isn't it? Yeah, and they saw Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu as Japanese, and, the, and Japan was this modern kind of uh, new uh, country. It just beat uh, the Russians in the Russo-Japanese War. <laughs> and so kind of the ideas in terms of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is about technique. It's about, it's about technique over strength. You could be critical and look at that and say they're trying to separate themselves. But it's a very European. It's a very Europeanization. Yes. So they're looking at the idea of African being brute strength and exactly. thing of being, and European being technical, technical. 
calculated, logical. Exactly. So that a game of chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. That's but that's how that's how they roll, right? That's how they roll. But that that separation, and I can see, is adopted by the elite. So the Gracies all tend to be like Spanish of descent. Well, the Gracies were slaveholding family. If you look at the history, it's a family. They're the family who basically evolved Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu okay. from a Japanese uh, oh, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, yeah. They were the main, and they, basically they were a Brazilian elite family, previously been slaveholders. Mm. And then when uh, Brazil had got rid of slavery, they were, I think it was the Third Republic, mm-hmm. and they were looking at a way to modernise the country. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was seen as a way for the, for the military, it became the military's a martial art rather than capoeira. And this, so you've got that Brazilian elite who therefore, because they've got their contacts elsewhere, they're able to spread it out and bring their own culture to it. Whereas you might have had other Brazilians who are artists, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu artists, maybe in the favela, but haven't been given that opportunity to kind of spread it worldwide. So we know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu through the Gracies yeah. because of their social background and, and because their status. What's interesting is because they're, because, because they're of, of European descent, mm-hmm. it's a notion that Europeans take stuff and they're creators yes. of stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I've taken something that's Japanese mm-hmm. and local and made it better yes. because I'm European. That, that notion, that Eurocentric notion, and whereas capoeira is a homegrown, mm-hmm. it's almost like a dance, it's a mm-hmm. dance form of martial arts, yes. right? And that, that kind of naturalised rhythm, because black people all got natural rhythm, right? So that's, that's what you've got to do, right? And it's that's all just localised on yourself. That kind of separation. Unless you start looking at it deeply, you don't understand yeah. it. But once you start seeing it, and you start seeing the colourism that's involved in that. Exactly. Yes, so the, if, if you start seeing the lighter skin, oh, yeah. the lighter skin people are doing it, the darker skin mm-hmm. So even if you buy, for example, if you're into video games and you buy Tekken, the guy, the guy, the, the, the darker, darker skin people are doing Capoeira. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you see this, right? Mm-hmm. And so you understand. So people are aware of this in the social media. This is a well, real thing. I wasn't when I first started because you always hear Brazilian Jiu Jitsu about technique, strength mm-hmm. over power. And, you know, and with me going because I'm quite strong, it always like, no, you've got to don't use your strength. Don't use your strength. You, you're you're being too aggressive. You've got to. And it's only when you step away and then you start okay. looking at the history and you've got to question because you know. In terms of boxers, you'll get boxers saying, no, boxing is a technical art. Mm. It's not about brute strength, it's, mm. it's technical. Mm. So it's only when you step out of that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu space you can see, well, how much of this idea of technique and you know you don't need strength, how much is that due to that kind of early racialisation yeah. of ideas and the, it, it, the difference with Capoeira? I definitely, like I said, I, it, those things always hinge and touch on those things. You can't separate because it's part of the mm-hmm. world, right? Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see that and... You, when you go to, especially different forms of like martial arts, right? So Wing Chun, especially, again, the same thing, the idea of being in contact with someone all the time, but there's a distinction between Wing Chun being more superior than other forms and Japanese people that's tainted. This is a Chinese form of martial arts, man. It's a Chinese form of martial arts. Letting people know where it's from because... No, it's linked to nationalism. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's got that, those nationalist elements in mm. whatever country it's come from. Mm-hmm. And they're always quite well, our martial arts. It's the best. Yeah. Because, and it's that, but it's a notion that because these things are like such for the higher ideals in people, right? To, to, to associate yourself and your country, your race with those things, it seems so, for example, Jews take great, great pride in the idea of like Krav Maga being a very effective form of martial arts that they made themselves to defend themselves. And it's a very, it's a very powerful thing to say to someone because it, it means you have mastery, not only just your mind, but also you can defend... Your identity. Your identity. Yeah, yeah. And you can defend yourself. Yes. So we're talking about now, Carl, basically like your literature review, like the way you were talking about it, like yeah. how you frame the... 
the history, um, the racialized elements. Is that is that is that right? Like, yeah. what what? what what, what we're talking about now, how does this fit in with your thesis? Obviously, it's very much linked to Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, but do you talk about that historic, the importance of the historical I and do, how yeah. it frames the contemporary gym space? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of, that's going to be, in, that's part of the introduction, but it's mm. going to be throughout. Yeah. Kind of, so all the, the, all my field notes, all the ethnographic data I've got, is going to be kind of going back to this and looking at it in a critical way mm. and through race and, and, and racialization especially the black male in that environment. But also it's important as well, which was important to me, is look for something kind of positive in a way. This is why the idea of a cosmopolitan canopy or cultural contact zone, you could sound a bit woolly, a little bit. But, it, you know, the level, unless people are going to kind of be in contact with each other, how, like we've just been talking, how are you going to learn things? So it's, it was important to look at spaces, look at race and be critical about that, but also look at the way people can kind of, you know, the solidarity that they might be able to build yeah. and overcome those issues and mm. how do they overcome those issues rather than just looking no it's very divided and yeah. it, you know so it's kind of well, I, I, I had similar research interest it's the idea to say look Right, right now, at this current moment, it's a fuckeries out there, right? Well, Standard, right? Funny, Boom. Uh, <laughs> I spent three years looking at American uh, news because you kind of left the trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make me go home now, don't worry. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just can't. It's just... Yeah. It's just, a fuckeries uh, out there. But in spaces like this, when I go gym, and I, I'm happy to see different people. So my gym, there's a lot of people who are they were considered mentally ill. And they have no place to go during the day. Mm-hmm. But in this space, they can stay all day and no one troubles them. People treat them with respect because those rules, are that's the rules of this space, right? I treat everyone with respect. And sometimes people fall foul of those rules, but there is, there is sanctions for these. Mm-hmm. And so you could be ostracised from that space. And it's, it's almost a similar space to those, those kind of similar like schools or those kind of institutions where you, if you fall foul of those social conventions, there's a social cost. Mm-hmm. But so what, I mean, I, I, I like what you guys are saying in terms of convivial spaces and trying to find some positivity, but me being obviously very cynical, um, like, I always feel like, right, is, I'm not saying I'm abandoning the idea of a convivial space, but at, who, at what cost, at whose at whose detriment, at whose trauma is always a thing for me. Like, I agree, you make solidarities, you learn together, you build relationships but what has, in particular, the, the racialized individual had to go through in order for that to become a convivial space? Right, so in, in this space, right, in this space, when I walk in, I'm talking about my particular gym, yeah. or the gyms that I train in, you walk in there, right, so you bring in, you bring in whatever you from the street, so whether you're, if you're a banker, it means nothing to me, your money means nothing, you have no power here. Right. So what, what has power here is performance, right? Right. I'm the best. I'm the, that's what, and you all emanate to be the best, Corporeal right? capital. Yeah, hundred percent, right? Uh, and you see that, you see that. I mean, and, I, and so I try to be the person I want to be. But this is very gendered, though, mm-hmm. because it's not like that for women in no. certain gym spaces. No, no, like, no, it's very different. Right. Well, like, a lot of the way, yeah, some like, of men will come and tell me exactly. how to train, mm-hmm. how, how what I'm doing is what, like, and the, they won't necessarily do that to their busy, male counterparts. Because in the jiu-jitsu, the women have to like. I've got some uh, interviews where they've said they've been to other gyms. And they can sense that the, the men are kind of looking. They're holding them in their guard a lot longer than they should. They just said the word they use was creepy. You yeah, know what I mean? So for women, it's especially important to find a gym with those values and that space where they feel safe, yeah. especially in something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, because of that close... It's taken me eight... Yeah, like the gym is very important to me. Mm. Like, I don't train as hard as, like, T or you, um, Carl, but the gym is very important to me. It has taken me... I lived in London 
eight years. It's taken me eight years to find a gym where I do not experience that. But you see, right, so... Like, so it's really, like, I agree with what you're saying to you, and I love that, what T said, and I love that, that how that manifests for you and your, your, your friends, but it's so gendered. Well, well, like, see, what happens is, see, right, so my gym up until recently was 100% men only, right? So when they started... Do let, when do you let women in? They let women. They women, women, women could, could, actually, could actually join about 2017. Right? Wow. Since I've known you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 there was one... I've done a, a main gym, but there was one gym in Birmingham mm. that I only... I didn't realise until after I'd left. I'd only mm. went there for about two months, but it, it still doesn't... It doesn't allow women to train. The only woman that has trained there has been a UFC fighter that mm. they allowed to come in. And you kind of, I left there and I was like, in the, in the showers, there were signs saying, do not, um, do not, do not be naked in front of, it was something along, you, you can't be naked in front of other men. Mm. And it was kind of, it was, it was run by some Muslim, uh, British, Pakistani Muslim guys. Mm. And it was only once I left who realised that, hang on, What's that? you realised that women weren't allowed to train there. Mm. Obviously, there must be. To have those posted, the, the homophobia within there must have been yeah. terrible. But a lot of those people that, that train at my gym will still go there because the coach is uh, one of Britain's first jujitsu black belts. Mm. So they'll kind of overlook, and it, they, you know, they'll overlook yeah, so what, those things because what, they've got a good coach, yeah, and they're overlooking those kind of. Whereas, I personally, so I can do, I have two daughters. Sex, I can yeah, do. you overlook the sexism. You overlook yes. the, no, right. so the coach. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's not right. That's like in, in the past, isn't it? The, the English cricketers playing in a parlay South Africa. Well, you know, it's a yeah. game which, well, no, it, you shouldn't be doing that. See, in my gym, right, it's, it's a similar kind of thing, right? So if if they, if a girl goes to that gym, we know... So sorry, sorry, sorry. If a woman goes to that gym, <laughs> sorry, if a woman goes to the gym and she comes to that space, we know it's un, an uncomfortable space, yeah. right? And sometimes there are people that are arseholes, 100%. There's yeah. always going to be them. But you pull them aside. Because you could, I, I would tell them. I've had, and to be fair, yeah. I've I would tell that, them. I'll, I'll have someone like Tisa. I've yeah. had in a number no, of cases in the gym that will go up to men and be like, "Fuck off!" But, but, <laughs> like, but, as in, but then as in, you do need that. But how does that make you feel? You, you know, you, it's, it's uncomfortable, because, isn't no, it? Because no, partly, do you want them to do it? Because it's almost you feel. Am I kind of trying to be this gentleman? It's and like no, the, it's, I, I would never go with like no. I, only when I see someone where he's being persistently yeah, yeah. You and, he, get and you get that and yes. you can understand. I can see where the person mm-hmm. he's using that space that he knows he has power to make that person feel That's physically it. uncomfortable mm-hmm. because most of the time you leave it because the person can sort out themselves, mm-hmm. right? But there's been occasions where that person takes it to the next level. Right. So then, I would just say to him, like, "What are you doing, bro?" Like, yeah, just, it's, it's, it's a really good question, Carl. I don't think it's a yes or no. Because that intervention that Tiso's talking about, there's been so many times in my life in public spaces where I wish someone had right. intervened. However, like you don't want to be like the damsel in That's distress it. being saved. Mm-hmm. It's almost like in those situations when someone like T's done that for me in the gym and it has happened, when they haven't looked for like me to say, oh, thank you, thank that you. actually... Here's my number. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. When, it, when that hasn't happened, it's just... It's a principle, like, just leave them. Just like, leave, leave them. them. And not looked for, like, an appreciation yeah. of that... No, a, you can a validation. That. Yes, then yes, but this, then that's... But that's not nice. But in that space, just, yeah. Yeah. we're looking for excellence, right? So all I'm looking for is that person excellent. 
So you that's for me, that whole space is about being the best that you can be. So when I'm coming out, I'm looking for your best type of behaviour. So everyone treats everyone respect. Even the criminals come there with a be, with a better mm-hmm. attitude. So no one's looking to cause any static or cause any problem because it's looking for that respect. Because you're changing the tone of the environment as well. Yeah, aren't you? you're changing everything. Yeah. So if you come what's there acceptable and what's not. Yeah, I don't want no disrespect. So all that street beef, anyone just there's no street beef in there. The last boy I said, listen, you the guy was threatening to stab another guy. No. It's at seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> at seven thirty in the morning. On a Wednesday. <laughs> on a Wednesday morning at 7.30 over uh, over over a 25 kg plate oh no and I, I remember this oh that's mine not yours I no no, no. This, right, so, so this one guy he's about 6 foot 5 he's a big dude right because he's usually got a big size and he can, he has all the plates mm-hmm. so he's used to using and I said I said don't say that to that little boy because little boy he boxes yeah. and he said but he doesn't care and he said T I'll just stab the guy you should be scared of it. And then the guy after me, he thanks me. He goes, he goes, he goes, I haven't had a fight in 12 years. He, he's shitting himself. I said, I said, this boy, he'll ruin your life, man. He'll stab you for no reason. Oh, right? but, but it's about, but I said, you can't have that stack, man. And you, you treat everyone with respect. Outside, you can have the beef you want. Mm-hmm. Do what you want. But in this space, mm-hmm. we're cool, it's innit? It's a safe space. Yeah, this is what the gym is, man. Oh, mm-hmm. God, I, I literally could just ask you questions, talk about this all right, day. No, it's gone a lot. But, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of flowed up. Yeah, I really don't know what This is going to be like a conference. No. <laughs> I should practice some questions. People, people yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know it's just We're like a, scary. It's just like a just, chat. It's just a, it's a chat, chat, man. That's but it. we are going to have to wrap up there. Um, thank you so much for inviting us, Thank you for inviting me. It's been great chatting to you. It's been brilliant. Really Put some bits in the episode notes. And maybe, is there a good, like, blog that basically breaks down the history of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Um, anything you can send us and we'll put in I can, I can yes yeah. I can I'll send Brilliant. you right. yes. thanks so Sorry. much for joining us guys no thank, thank you, you. Uh, George are you coming to gym yet do you, do you explain that pout you're, gonna, you're coming you're co- yes bro George the producer <laughs> we're bringing him to the gym <laughs> thanks guys see you no next problem. week thank you see ya thank you for listening to Surviving Society please support the podcast by rating, following and subscribing on your preferred podcast platform. And please consider supporting the production of the podcast by joining our Patreon community. 